Father, help us. Help us to see the truth of this text and heal our amnesia, our spiritual amnesia, and uh, give us remembrance. Help us to remember the wonders of the risen Christ. In his name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a deja vu? Have you ever experienced something, um, an event in your life that ha had already taken place in your past? Like, wow, this is happening again. This is kind of strange. Uh, it's interesting. Well, I think this passage is shot through with deja vus, with the purpose to manifest who Jesus is. If you see verse 1, for example, it says that Jesus manifested himself again. And then this verb, manifest, is repeated in verse 14 as an inclusio or bookend in verse 14. As you can say, see, this is now the third time that Jesus, what? Was manifested to the disciples. So the disciples should have recognized the risen Christ. But in verse 4, they did not recognize Jesus. In verse 7, they do recognize Jesus. And in verse 12 as well. So here's the point. It's for them to have a deja vu of the risen Christ. They will experience again the reality that Jesus has risen from the dead and is with them. But not only the disciples must have a deja vu of the risen Christ, but the readers of John's gospel as well. And the first deja vu that we are going to see is this, as Jesus telling us, remember, I am the true fisher of men. Remember, I am the true fisher of men verses 1 through 8 you see in verse 2 you know the purpose in verse 1 that jesus had to manifest himself again to the disciples in that sea of tiberia tiberias um, now in verse 2 you see there are seven disciples together there and they're going to fish because Peter says in verse 3, I'm going fishing. And they all said, the seven of them, we will also come with you. And then as you know this story in verses 3 and 4, they were out going in the boat and they tried to catch fish all night. And they got nothing. And then Jesus appeared on verse 4 at the beach. They could not recognize him. And Jesus said, and you see, it was night and in the breaking of the day, right then at dawn, Jesus appears and tell them, children, have you got anything, any fish? And I think they were so mad that no. And Jesus said, cast the net on the right hand side of the boat and you will find fish. 
So as if the whole fish of the sea jumped into their net. When Jesus told them to do so. Can you see the deja vu? Can you see that this is happening again? Something that happened before in the lives of the disciples? In Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry and the ministry of those disciples. He did the same. They were trying to catch fish all night. They couldn't. And Jesus said the same thing. Throw the net on your right side and you get some. That's exactly what happened. And it's happening again here in the text. But when that happened at the first time, you remember the reaction of Peter, right? Stay away from me because I'm a sinful man. And then Jesus says this there in Luke. Fear not. From now on you will be fishers of men. And I think this is confirmed here in John with the verb to draw. You know, the draw, they are drawing the fish. In verse 6, you see that verb. In verse 11, it is used again to draw the fish. Well, there's another place in the Gospel of John that John uses the same verb. And it is related to the deja vu of a fisher of men. And it's chapter 6 of John, verse 44. Very well-known verse that says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him. That's the same language. Or you find in chapter 12 of John, verse 32 that says, And I, if I am be lifted up from the earth, will what? Draw all men unto me. It is man coming in faith to Jesus. It's the language of conversion of man. So the text is saying to us, remember, Jesus says, I am the true fisher of man. I am the one who has authority and power in heaven and in earth. Just like I have power over nature and make fish jump into your net so also I have power to convert multitude of sinners like I did with you. I think that's the point of this first deja vu. They are experiencing something that they had begun in their ministry. And Jesus is reminding them again that he is the true fisher of men. Remember Pentecost's? A little later of this event, 3,000 people were converted with the preaching of Peter. Beginning with 12 disciples, and then a few centuries, a massive conversion swept the Roman Empire. It is just mind-boggling what Christianity did. It's just amazing. The, whole, the one who controls and has the power over the whole universe, even to the point of fish in the sea, is the one who has control of the heart of men and women. Remember that. Remember who has power. 
to fish men and women. We all have seasons of nights with no catching, right? All right. I worked in a little city in my homeland. So much effort with no results. A night with nothing. It's discouraging. Nights without sketching. But this evening is for all of us here Christians to remember where the power is. To be encouraged and have a deja vu again. To know and to remember where the power really is. We are merely vessels of clay. Remember who the true fisher of man is. Remember the power of the risen Christ. Are you suffering because your relative still an unbeliever? Maybe your father, your mother, maybe is your, your children, your neighbor, your grandparents. Well, let me read here from a, in a part of an article written by Harry Reader III. He, he passed away recently. He was a Presbyterian minister. And he wrote uh, this article uh, to the uh, uh, Ligonier's uh, magazine, uh, Table Talk. And uh, the title of uh, the article is Gospel Driven Life. And he's going to apply this truth that Jesus is the true fisher of men. That's where the power is. And as he applies to young people, let us apply to ourselves. He says this. When I was 16, my father bought me a car at an auction for $75. It was a pink 57 Ford, which dad insisted was coral. I could not drive a pink car to school. I then heard words that in a not-too-distant future, my children would hear, Son, a poor ride is better than a proud walk. It was said so convincingly, I knew it was probably in the Bible. Then my dad opened the hood, and to my surprise, underneath was a third... Uh, 390 engine with the two four barrel carburetors. The car had been a South Carolina State Interceptor, a highway patrol car. Nothing had more power under the hood. Space and conviction prevents me from detailing the surprises that Corvettes and Roadsters would get after they looked laughingly at my pink 57 Ford while sitting side by side at stoplights. It did not look like much, but there was power under the hood. And then he applies this. And I will apply to all of us here. Young Christian, all the Christians here, 
The world despises the gospel in its simplicity and disdains the vessels entrusted to carry and proclaim it. But there is power under the hood. Live the gospel. Believe and preach the whole gospel. The gospel blessings that declare who you are in Christ. The gospel imperatives that call you to your new life for Christ. This gospel transforms the hearts, minds, and wills of sinners. Thankfully, it continues to transform mine. Preach it to yourself, to each other, and to the lost. And know the joys of the gospel-driven life. Oh, how much we need this truth. Don't you ever forget when you go to the streets, when you are at your, at your family meal, or at your job, when you proclaim the gospel because of the reason Christ, there is power under the hood. Keep on praying, keep on proclaiming, keep on preaching. It doesn't matter how dark the Western world is. It doesn't matter how dark our situation in the politics, and in economics, and in our families. If God saved you, if he could put fish in the nets of those disciples, can bring revival and reformation here in Kalamazoo as he wishes. Remember where the power is. He is the true fisher of men. There is power under the hood. Secondly, remember I am the true shepherd in verses 9 through 17. You see another deja vu there? They came to the shore and find fish and bread in verses 9 and 13, bread and fish, meal reminds John 6, right? And the multiplication of the loaves and the fish to the multitude. It's another deja vu of a miracle story of provision in John's gospel. And let me put this way in this way. I think there's three meals in John's gospel for you to read the gospel and have that deja vu as you read through the gospel. It's not only for those disciples. It's for us here in 21st century. As we read the gospel of John. And say, hmm, I read that. It's repeating again in the gospel. Right here at the end. You see, there's a change of water to wine in chapter 2. There is a multiplication of loaves in chapter 6. And the fishing meal in chapter 21, our text. There is plentiful wine in chapter 2, there is plentiful bread in chapter 6, and there is plentiful fish in chapter 21. There is a noted plenty. In the case of chapter 2, of change of water into wine, you have six stone of jars, which is kind of to 20 and 30 gallons of wine. Wow! Plentiful wine. And you see in chapter 6, 12 baskets of loaves. And I think that's the reason why he gave us, historically, there was 153 fishes. It's for you to have that comparison of plentifulness that Jesus provides. And all the three occurrences occurred in Galilee. The change of the water into wine in Galilee, the multiplication of loaves in Galilee, and here is again in Galilee. It's a wedding meal, it's a meal of 5,000 in a meal on the lake shore. And amazingly, wine, bread, and fish 
were the common diet of the people of that time. So what's the point? The echo of Jesus that he is the true shepherd. He is the true shepherd of his flock. As John 10, 10 says, I came in order that they might have life and have it in abundance. And here's the narrative is narrating and giving in an example and a story that really happened with Jesus providing again wine, bread, and here, bread and fish again. Come and have breakfast, it says in verse 12. I am the true shepherd. No more hunger, no more thirst. John 6, 35. He that come to me shall never hunger, and that he that believe on me shall never thirst. The reason Jesus is your satisfaction, he's your shepherd, and you shall not want that's the point of the text that's the deja vu it's for you to remember that it is he, he is your satisfaction he is your shepherd he is your pastor and you shall not want no matter what happens in your life because you know there is a big hole in your heart don't you i do we long for eternal life. And maybe part of the city of Kalamazoo is trying to long for eternal life through sex and alcohol and party. And maybe another part of Kalamazoo is trying to find eternal life through success, career, job to climb the ladder and to find your dreams coming through but even if you get there you can sleep dreaming for heaven by waking up with the taste of hell in your mouth because it's temporary. One day you have it. The other day is gone. And this evening is for you to have a deja vu. Jesus is your shepherd. He is the only one who can quench your thirst. Who can kill your hunger for eternal life. But not only this. Jesus goes deeper as the true shepherd because Jesus shows how he is the true shepherd with Peter. Because Peter has a deja vu when he sees in verse 9 a fire of coals. The only other places this word appears again in the entire Bible is John 18, 18 when Peter denies Jesus three times. It's another deja vu as we read the text. And Jesus makes a case study with Peter that he is the true shepherd. After they had breakfast in the presence probably of everyone there, Jesus presents another deja vu. What is it? 
Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you? Do you love me? Three times. It's the three times that match the three denials. Do you see the deja vu? Jesus goes to the heart of the matter. Because Jesus doesn't say to Peter, Where is your faith, Peter? Are you a coward, Peter? Do you fear man, Peter? Are you a liar? Those things, even though they are true about Peter, they do not go deep enough to the root of Peter's problem. And Jesus, as a good, faithful, and true shepherd, he goes right inside of the problem of Peter's heart. Do you love me more than these? Says verse 15. It doesn't matter what the these means. It means that you love me more than anything in the world. Because that's our problem. The real problem with our sins is that, is that we love more other things than Jesus. That's the problem of human beings. Our problems in our society is not kidnapping, it's not abortion, it's not drugs. Our real problem is not corruption in the politics. Those are symptoms. Those are merely symptoms, pretty bad ones symptoms of the real problem of the human race. That they have to love God above everything else. And especially the God incarnate Christ. But we do not as society. And that's the root problem that we face. And we are trying to seek after justice. Social justice. And, so, and justice in politics. And war. And problems. And try to solve with our own reasoning. And we know that the problem is inside of our hearts. Because we do not love our, our creator and our redeemer as we should. And that's another deja vu again, Christians, for you. Let's go after the main problem. That's the main problem. We do not only break rules, but we break the heart of the man Jesus Christ. That's the problem. And that's another deja vu in John. John is applying what he already said in his gospel. Remember? It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. He that hath my commandments and keep them, it is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by, of my father. And I will love him and he will manifest myself to him. So let me ask you this. Don't think about anybody else. Do you love Jesus? Do I love Jesus? So how can Peter show love to Jesus? Again, if I were Jesus Christ, and I say that in reverence, with my stupidity, I would say, do you love me, Peter? And say, yes, I love you, Lord. And I would say, just bow down right now, kneel down, and pray to me, and sing psalms to me right now. 
You love me? They worship me right now. Prove that you love me. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say to sing to him or to worship him or to bow down uh, uh, before him. No. Do you know the response that Jesus says? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter must do exactly what Jesus is doing with him to shepherd. Were you fished out by Christ? Do you love him? Then feed Christ's sheep, Peter. Serve his people. Love the church. Whoa, this is, this is so amazing, this text. Because how do you love, how do you show love for Jesus? When you love his church. Yes, broken, fallen, failure, with so many complicated people inside, fights, conflicts, difficulties. Yes, broken people, fallen people like you and me. But because of the union that Jesus has with his church, that's how you love him. By loving the church shepherding his people people who do not love the church does not love Christ that's the deja vu that's why you have to remember to love his people so do you love Jesus do you then feed your children at home family worship Bible, prayer, lead them, lead, lead your, your wife, children. But you say, I can't do it, I'm not worthy. Exactly, the unworthy, coward, fearful disciple Peter, the biggest failure of the group, repented, received mercy, and that is why he was used for the kingdom. You see, if you, have, if you have worked for a company that you have failed three, time, three times horribly, you are fired. There's no way that you're going to keep your, your job. You are out of there. But here, in the kingdom of Christ, those who truly repent from their sins and recognize their brokenness and the need for grace and mercy sheer grace are those who are used the most only in the gospel that the worst failure is used for the gospel the one who is the most forgiven is the one who most love Christ what a shepherd Christ is he is, remember that he is the true shepherd of man. And then you can come to him. It is a call for you this evening to repentance. Can you remember? When was the last time that you repented from your sins? Now is the true shepherd working in your heart. Come. Come. And he will not cast you out. Because there is no better shepherd than he is.
And third and lastly, he is, remember that I am the true love. Verses 18 and 19. It says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk whatever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Can you see the deja vu again? Can you see it? In what manner would Peter show his love for Christ and his church? How would he feed his church? Peter would die for God's glory. That's what the text is saying to us. How would he die? The text says, stretching out his hands like this. Verse 19 explains what stretching out his hands is this spoke he signifying by what death he should glorify God? It's another deja vu for us readers, right? Remember that phrase? The way that signifies the what death he should glorify God. If you go to John 12 32 and John 18, 32, you see the same language. Let me go there. Don't just listen. In John 12, 32 says this. And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And then 33 says, but he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. A cross. And you see the same through, true truth in 18.32 that says this. To fulfill the word of Jesus which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death Jesus was about to die. That's the same language that you find here in chapter 21 about Peter. And here is the deja vu. Who stretched out his hand for Peter? Jesus did on the cross. And Jesus is saying to Peter, your future, Peter, will be like mine. The cross. You will die. Not to purge the sins of the church. But to follow me. To die for me. To deny yourself and die for me to show love because I loved you first you know love here is signified by stretching hands you know what that means when you are in a fight with someone you don't stretch out your hands you don't open your arms wide open you don't you just close your arms and you try to defend yourself right but when you're Open your arms to give a hug. You are vulnerable. So that a person can hug you and stab you in the back. Right? You are vulnerable. And that's one of the ways to see love. You cannot love if you are not willing to be vulnerable and open to get hurt. 
If you are hiding, concealing your own hearts so that people cannot see your failures, people cannot see your problems, people cannot see your problems, you will never love. If you are protecting yourself to not get hurt, there's no way to love. You need to be vulnerable. And the supreme event of vulnerability that shows love is the God-man stretching his hands for you. And he really got hurt by us, by our sins, and sacrificed to save us because he loved us with eternal love. Are we willing to do this? To go to the same route and to deny ourselves, to take up the cross and follow him. That's why he ends, follow me, Peter. To die to this world, beginning right here. I always think about this. I will never be ready if I have to deny my physical life one day. If I am persecuted. If I don't start right now to kill my old man every day of my life. My sinful desires. My sinful longings. My earthly minded set. If I don't kill this right now. Stretching out hands to love God's people and my family. With vulnerability. If comes a day when I have to give up my physical life, I will not be ready. As Paul said, we have to crucify our flesh every day with the gospel to mortify sin. I remember the Korean pastor in my uh, seminary in my homeland. He founded a seminary there. And for every seminarian that went to that seminary, he always had a word to them saying, with a Korean accent, Why are you here? Why have you come here to seminary? And then he answered, To die, huh? To die. To die. Every day to die to our earthly self. And our old man. Because of love. Because he loved us first. Do you have that deja vu? Every day? Do you? Do I? Let me end this sermon with an illustration that I heard a story. Um, I, thought, I think it was, I heard the first time in the PRTS conference, a long time ago. Uh, Lincoln Duncan told us this story in that conference. It was in the, uh, uh, the Master's College, the University of uh, John MacArthur's church. The story is this. A young girl from a Muslim country was attending the master's college. And the stories that she was telling Mark Arthur is that she came to faith by listening to his broadcast sermons read by a man 
in her own language. There was a translation right there. She was in the group reading a translation of MacArthur's sermon. And her father was a mid-level official in the government, of a Muslim government. And then she went to MacArthur's college because after her conversion, she wanted to learn about the Bible. But she could not say that she was going there to learn the Bible. So she majored in computers and technology. And on the side, she was having Bible studies there. Because her country would not allow her to study Christianity or the Bible. When she was finished, she flew back home. And the first thing that she saw when she got home, home was her uncle waiting for her. And the first thing that her uncle asked was, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. And he picked up a chair and broke it over her back. Then he took a leg of that chair and began to beat her up to death. And as he was doing so, her father showed up and rescued her, put her in an airplane and sent her back to America. And as she was telling that story to MacArthur, MacArthur asked her, what was going on in your mind as your own uncle was beating you up to death? And her answer, I think, is what makes Christianity one of a kind. That Christianity, the gospel, is matchless. There's nothing like it. That your reason, Christ, is incomparable. She said this to MacArthur. I was thinking that this man has a religion that he would kill for. But I have a savior that I would die for. That is the difference of Christianity and the gospel from all kind of philosophy or religion. Because he loved us. It is only in the gospel that you have the truth that the creator of the universe became a man and had the audacity to go to a death on the cross to receive our sins and our punishment and then rescue us from ourselves out of love and sacrifice so that we would be vulnerable to love back and live for him and to have the audacity to die for him as well yes the deja vu we have spiritual amnesia and today jesus says to you based on this text if you are discouraged he says i am the true fisher of man there is power under the hood Keep it up. Keep it up, leaders, elders, pastor. Keep it up. If you are convicted of your sins, he says, I am the true shepherd of your soul. Come to me. 
And if you are cold in your spiritual life, he says, I am the true love. Follow me because I loved you first. I was vulnerable enough to give my life as a ransom of your soul. Yes, this evening is a deja vu, Christian. So that you can re-experience the risen Christ of your life. Let us pray together. Thank you so much, oh God, because of Jesus. That he is our true, true fisher of men. That he rescued us. That he fished us. That he caught us. And then through his gospel, we can also do with others. We also thank you that he is our shepherd to the end. That we shall not want. He will provide everything that we need. Everything. And that he is our true love. A love that is vulnerable enough. A love that is eternal. A love that is sacrificial. A love that really saves. And that is incomparable and matchless. No religion is like the gospel. May you be praised this evening. And please get rid of our amnesia in the times of need. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing a psalm of adoration. Oh, my soul, bless thou Jehovah. Blue Psalter number 201. 201. Let us sing to our Lord. And after that, we'll sing the doxology of Blue Psalter 488. And then we'll have the benediction. Let us worship our God.
Receive the blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine up on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen.